0: Welcome to Everything Rodeo, where we separate champions from the
1: rest of the crowd. We'll take you down the trail of someone's life, a long-haul tour rodeo, and our everyday adventures. So brace yourself, because it's fixing to be a wild ride.
0: We're your hosts, Nace Ramfrey and Cody Stanley. Well, welcome to Everything Rodeo podcast episode 19 in the front yard of Dr. Harry Anderson's.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, we like to, every time we go on the road, we take our stuff. It's just interesting how we set up. And yesterday when you sent us pictures, we were like, front yard will do. So, yes, but welcome sir. to the show. We appreciate you having us.
2: Well, this, this is great. I enjoy doing these and, and welcome to my front yard. Thank you. It's, Thank uh, you. it's actually looking rather reasonable right now. So <laughs> it looks good. <laughs> looks good. My, my little pasture is kind of mowed down. I've got five uh, borrowed yearling longhorn calves out there that are keeping it under control, so yes, sir. it came at a good time. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's good. <laughs> it's like the perfect time of year, too. I know it's yes. starting to get hot and stuff, so it's nice. Right now, it's currently like 6 in the morning, so it's good to get out early in the morning and get things going.
2: This is my time of day. Yes, sir. I get I get to my office. I tell people I, I only work half time anymore at my age. I just work from 5 in the morning to 5 in the evening. Mm-hmm. It's half time not yeah. half time half time yeah <laughs> instead of part time
1: yeah, part time <laughs> yeah. is half time that's cool so for those of you who don't know uh Dr. Anderson he is the uh owner and operator of Total Feeds Total People Plus uh, a lot of supplements for animals and things like that so how long have uh where did it all start did you see yourself as you know as a youngster uh growing up like hey I'm going to be the owner of uh, something really amazing.
2: Yeah. When I was five years old, I said, I'm going to make the world's best horse feed when I'm 70 years old. <laughs> it's pretty No, incredible. I didn't dream. Really. <laughs> so what was your dream when you was a kid? <clears throat> um, I, I dreamed about hunting with my dog mm-hmm. and, uh, trying to stay out of school because I hated school and, um, just take, take, uh, part in sports and, you know the regular kind of kid stuff. Oh yeah, I had no dreams of doing anything. <clears throat> I was um, I was born during World War II, okay, and a time when people didn't have money. You, know, yeah. it, uh, you nobody was poor. Mm-hmm. You were just part of a community. Yep, some people had a lot of money, some people didn't, and no, nobody ever thought anything of it. So I grew up in that kind of an attitude or environment. Yes, sir. But at a very young age, I <laughs> I uh, kind of tried to, I learned how to convince people of stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, I could, uh, I remember uh, organizing, like go to uh, some kind of a function, a community function, there's a whole bunch of kids. And even when I was six, seven years old, I could organize a whole group of kids, you know, and we'd, we'd all go out and have fun and everything. Of course, who thought of being a leader at that time? Right. Nobody cared. and But uh, then as as we uh, started getting more serious about things uh, and, and trying to find, a way, find ways to stay out of school, um, I, lo- I figured out that I, if I worked really hard and if I, I could, uh, I started learning how to sell at at an, oh, probably 9 or 10 years of age. Mm-hmm. I was selling things to neighbors in the community. Yes, sir. Uh, I remember going out when uh, I was, I couldn't have been more than 10 or 11 years old, um One spring, I sold seed corn mm-hmm. i 'd get in the car and go to all the neighbors and i'd sell seed corn to the neighbors okay. and I thought, well, you know this is all right yeah and then so i then i started uh, thought, well, golly, I need stuff to sell and um, my first uh really um money making project when I was i think twelve years old or something, about twelve mm-hmm. I uh, bought 500 baby chicks. Yes, sir. Oh, wow. Didn't have any place to put them, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I bought them. Yeah. <laughs> we had we had enough space to get them started, and then they just had to free range. But uh, I, I took those 500 baby chicks, grew them up to about, I think at that time, that would get them up around four pounds. Yes, sir. And uh, then I hired... <laughs> The school superintendent's wife and another lady in town, and my mother. And one day, oh. we processed five hundred baby oh chicks, in, uh, chickens in our front yard. Wow! And then I <laughs> delivered them all over the community.
1: <laughs> start your own chicken company. I yeah. thought.
2: I thought. I thought this is cool. <laughs>
0: so, I mean, you was like the start of Tyson's. <laughs> yeah, just,
2: just a teeny teeny bit. Yeah. 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 Uh huh. So, but but that's when I I really fell in love with uh selling and convincing people of yeah. of mm-hmm. stuff and yeah and then through through high school um uh, I was uh probably noted as being the least likely to ever graduate. Um and I did they did have to let me out of there. Uh, <laughs> and they had to keep me around because uh they needed me for basketball and football. Oh yeah. In a in a in a school of fifty people, you don't have a lot of athletic right. To pick from, yeah, yeah. So options. So they, <laughs> so they did give me a diploma. Uh, I guess I was in the bottom third of that class of fourteen, and uh, then, not knowing what to do, my sister was one year older. I had one sister, and uh, she'd gone to the University of North Dakota. So I thought, you know, I probably should go there, but with my grades, they had to let me in because I paid taxes in North Dakota. My uh-huh. parents did, so they had to let me in and. Well, the first year, we didn't get along very well. <clears throat> I, uh, at the end of the first year, they thought, you know, there might be a better place for you somewhere else. I said, oh, man, I, I don't want to waste all this, and I'd like to I'd like to transfer out of here. Can I just, you know, one more semester, if I can get my grades up to a C average, um, would then I can transfer. So they let me do that, and I worked kind of, kind Of hard that year, and I got it up to I think a 2.01. <laughs> and <laughs> it's barely I
1: barely hanging on, <laughs> yeah. But in the
2: meantime, I'd figured out something that, that I had abandoned my first love, yeah. That was animals. Oh, animals. And I was at a liberal arts school, or mm-hmm. you know, and the 80 miles down the road was the ag school, yes, sir, North Dakota State University. And uh, so I, I transferred there, and things started to change. I had problems there, too, because I was working 40 hours a week and uh, at the hog barn, cleaning hog pens, and making 75 cents an hour. So I had to work a lot of hours to even buy yeah. food. And and I slept through a lot of classes. That didn't help anything at all. At the end of that year, I was probably not real proud of what I had done, but something changed. Yes, sir. I married my childhood sweetheart. We'd known each other we were neighboring farms. We'd known each other all our lives. Wow. Everything changed. I had never had a bad grade after that. I'm not sure why.
1: After you married her?
2: Yeah. I'm not sure why, but all of a sudden my grades went up to <laughs> grade A's. So she was doing the schoolwork for you. She no. <laughs> Maybe she wasn't doing work, but she was the motivation. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Interesting what the ladies do to you.
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's kind of been that way ever since. You know, why don't you do this, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. So so then I um, uh, got out of uh, school, uh, bachelor's degree, and uh, one day I was standing in the office uh, hallway of the animal science department. One of the graduate students I knew quite well, he said, you seen that thing on the bulletin board there about a fellowship at South Dakota State University? I said, I don't know. What's a fellowship? He said, well, they'll pay you to go to school. I grabbed that off the wall. And that's the first time anybody paid me for anything like that without working. <laughs> yes, sir. And so so I wrote him a letter to South Dakota State and never given it a thought that, that I would never be able to get into graduate school and become yep. a graduate student. They sent me right back a letter and said, when can you come? Wow. So I went there and uh spent the next 4 years uh working in Hogburn mm. <laughs> and uh, going to school and and uh uh Margaret had a job when we got there she was she had 2 years of nursing when we got married so she had something to fall back on. Yes sir. And she had she so she was able to get a job and we made made out pretty well. So I ended up getting a PhD in swine nutrition. Okay. And at that time in the year 1970 there were sixty-some applications for every job I applied for. Wow! So I said, "Oh, this isn't going to work very well." Finally, uh, one of my buddies that had gone on a, be ahead of me w- to the University of Wyoming uh, said, "You know, you need to look at a job out here. There's an extension job that mm-hmm. it's open. It's a it's a, a dairy extension specialist, but uh, you need to look at it." So I applied and I got that. We moved to Wyoming, and and I tell people. After all of the intense education I got in nine years of college studying, I got my education in Wyoming. Yeah, that's where that's where I learned how to deal with people. I learned how to present things. I learned how to not talk to people in language I couldn't understand.
3: Right. Yeah.
2: One very very important thing that I was told when I, I was working 21 counties in Wyoming, a state specialist. And I, I got to work out there. I got to work with uh, dairy, swine, beef cattle, horses, whatever you wanted with sheep, whatever you wanted to work with because they had a limited staff. Yes, sir. An old county agent, a very sage county agent took me aside one day and he said, boy, he said, tell you what, if you'll just forget all those PhD words and you talk with, in language that an eighth grade educated person can understand, he said, you will never offend anybody. And you know, I think of that a lot, Yeah, yeah. that uh, don't overdo it, guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's important to, like, just when you have a conversation with people, I think it's one thing you can get carried away trying to get all fancy talk, you know? And nowadays, I just feel like everybody, if you just, I don't know, just being personable with somebody, you create not only a relationship rather than just having a conversation with somebody, and it just brings more value to what you have to say.
2: Oh, absolutely. Like, Absolutely, and uh, and I do um, I tell people though that uh, you know I I I do try to just talk and and I do talk that way. I think that's a natural thing with mm-hmm. me. I'm yeah. a pretty country, and I, I say well that, that works fine. But if get one of these high mucky muck scientific got people talk using big words, on me, I mean, I can really go back and use them if I want to. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you pull them out of the yeah, and that's, book. I think that's uh,
0: you know good because you're you came from you know, like you said, you was a country boy, so in the industry you're in, it's all country people there's you know there's not a lot of high educated people in the horse industry I mean, there is some, but if you can just be personable with them and and explain what their horse needs or what their cow needs or what their dog needs or what they need in a sense that they can understand like an eighth grader, you're going to have a lot more success. And that's why that you've had the success you've had versus somebody that is, Oh, I have a PhD. So I need to talk like this and yeah. and don't want to change.
2: Right. Right. I don't even tell people I have a PhD yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people, some people don't, I don't know it and I don't care. Mm-hmm. But, um, I was in Wyoming for three years and, and kind of an, and, and I tell people everything they say, well, how did you plan all this? I said, I never planned one. Mm-hmm. everything fell in front of me right when something fell in front of me an opportunity i was smart enough i guess to pick it up yes sir. and run with it but uh, after, at the end of about three years i'd i gotten involved with a um, uh a lawsuit with a hog producer uh-huh. against purina there had been some problems with feed and and i was called in as an expert witness and so i i go I go to cheyenne wyoming from laramie i go to cheyenne and into the court and I uh, give testimony, you know, about it. And the judge stopped the, uh, uh I was on the stand and, and the judge stopped. Uh, he said, uh, timeout. He leans over and he said, I want to know more about a couple of these things you talked about. So I had to stop and educate the judge <laughs> for, for his own personal yeah. interest. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was cool. Yeah, that is neat. But in the, um, uh, it, of course, in the audience, the gallery, there, um, there were some Pur- Purina people, um, and uh, about two weeks later, they lost the case. About two weeks later, their salesman, their dis- divisional salesman, shows up in my office, and said, uh, "Would you like a job?" <laughs> said, at kind of caught me off yeah, guard. Yeah, yeah, he said, uh, "Would you like to look at a job as a kind uh, con- consulting nutritionist in the feed yard industry. I said, what's a consultant? <laughs> I said, what's a feed yard? <laughs> well, he said, why don't you look at it? So, um, I, uh, flew to St. Louis and talked to some of the high mucky mucks and they hired me and, uh, they sent me to, uh, uh, liberal Kansas when I finally got done with my three month training. And, uh, I don't know if anybody's been to Liberal, Kansas, but I don't need to go back there. That was a great beginning into the feedlot industry. And then for the next 35 years, that's what I did. I was a feedlot consultant. Yes, sir. All the way from uh, Shoto, Montana to Kingsville, Texas, eventually. Mm -hmm. But uh, Purina hired me, went to Liberal, Kansas. They um, they said, okay, you have... Eleven mm. counties—I forget what it was—just a few counties here that you're going to work in, because that was the mecca of feedlots at that time. Yes, sir. And it, it took about uh, one year, and all of a sudden, I had people calling me from three or four different states, wanting me to come and help them. Mm. I said, "Hey, you know, I didn't sign on for that, but I did. Of course, mm. I, you know, egotistically, I had to go. Right. Yeah. And and so that about burned me out, and then they they said. Uh, You know, one of the district managers said, you know, there's a district open in North Dakota in your whole home country, and it's just a small district. Maybe you want to do that for a while. So I uh, applied, I checked on that, and they let me go there. Mm -hmm. They said, uh, okay, now you've got 11 counties in North Dakota. That's all you're going to work. Fine. Wow, that was like a vacation. Mm -hmm. You know, and I I went up there, and I uh, walked into a hornet's nest. Um, of mismanagement, mm. <laughs> I I know why they replaced him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, but I I worked really hard and, and uh, got it started, and uh, my divisional sales manager, the big boy, um, he came to me one day and he said, "Tell you what, um, I'm going to take these other two districts, and I'm going to combine them with yours. You can take care of those. But I'll there'll be two two guys." one in each of those districts to to help you. Mm-hmm. So suddenly I went from 11 counties to 52 counties.
1: Oh my goodness.
2: And so for the next few years, I just about killed myself and almost dead. Yeah. Literally vac- vacation to, yeah. to <laughs> yeah.
0: work day and night.
2: Yeah. I'd gotten down to 155 pounds before I oh, wow. finally said, Can't I give it. up. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they moved me back to Kansas into Garden City, Kansas. And, then they, that time they said, okay, boy, we've got a deal for you down here. We've, only, we've got a four-county area. There's so many cattle in there. That's all you need mm-hmm. work with one district manager. So I moved back to Kansas. I went to Garden City. And within a year, guess what? I was working in four or five states. <laughs> People just called me and said, you've got to come and help me. <laughs> so I, I figured out that, you know, I could be an influence. Yes, sir. They're starting to set in now that that I could be an influence. But then uh, I was doing, as I always did, I was looking around and and seeing things that need to be done different. Yes, sir. And so I started doing things different in the feed yard business, and um, all of a sudden one day uh, the big researcher from St. Louis said, and he said this in front of my peer group in a meeting he said harry you've got to stop doing this and this and using this and this and this and because we haven't approved it yet that was the end of it
3: <laughs> yeah if you
0: can't use the- if you can't use what you know works <clears throat> then-
2: for the betterment of my customers yeah. first right right and that's that's where i figured out there's something you know there's something about corporate america that that i'm done with yeah uh mm-hmm. that uh, they think different than I do. Right. I think about animal first, customer second. Yeah. Then, then whatever it costs, costs. I don't care. Uh, if you don't like it, don't buy it. Yeah. yeah. That's my whole philosophy. Well,
1: that's the problem with everything nowadays. I feel like it's all about the money or pleasing your boss or whatever it might be. I mean, there's still good people, you know, like you out there that would be like, "Man, I'm not putting up with this," you know. But had you not done that, you know, you probably wouldn't be sitting here right now with everything, you know, that you have created.
2: Oh no, I. I moved moved out, and I had I had to be uh, more uh, inventive mm-hmm. and uh, work harder, <laughs> but loved every minute of it. And because uh, some of the things that I did, they'd never heard of in the feedlot business, but they were working, and the performance in the yards I was working with were beating everybody at that time. Mm. That's Nobody.
0: why everybody was calling you from other yeah. states wanting you to come help them.
2: Yeah, no, they didn't want to compare performance my com- compadres. Uh, mm-hmm. Because we we just did some things that were um, that they're still using today, and they they I'll never have credit for it, and I don't care, yeah, yeah. because because it's working. We, we started doing things uh, like uh, increase fat levels in the diet. They, for for years and years and years they've fed two percent fat to get mm-hmm. the energy up in those feedlot diets, and mm-hmm. thought gee whiz, that's energy. Why don't we just put more in and get better performance? So I got it up to around 6%, and I was a heretic, <laughs> mm-hmm. really heretic to do that. But the efficiency of, of production just went, choo,
3: yes, sir. really
2: went, went up. Um, and then uh, one of the things I'm still rather proud of is in starting cattle, if you've been around feedlots, you understand that, when you buy them in the sale barn or off grass, mm-hmm. you take them into a feed yard and the time involved getting them from the sale barn to the hottest diet is what you're trying to get them to, mm-hmm. to get the most efficiency. Uh, at that time, it would take 21 to 28 days. Yes, sir. And I thought, golly, that is a gross waste of silage and hay and stuff during that period of time. Mm-hmm. Why don't we can figure that out? So I developed a program. Of changing cattle just right, and I could change them from the sale barn to the hottest ration in 11 or 12 days.
0: Wow. Almost cut it in half. Yeah.
2: Yes, sir. Saved, saved, by doing that, we saved about at least half of the total roughage used for that animal mm-hmm. for the whole feeding period, because that's you use half of it during that first two, three weeks. Right. Yes, sir. And so uh, they still, some people still using that today, and I, I came up with that in the uh, early. Uh, let's see it was in the seventies and so so i've i my point is that i've I look at something and i say that if that's not the best way to do it, I'm going to change it mm-hmm. right You can watch and you can call me all kinds of names, but i'm going to change it yeah yes, sir <clears throat> and um so that even goes along with the the horse industry mm-hmm. uh when i when I came into this, well, that was almost by default get started in the horse. And I wasn't really working with horses a little bit here and there, but I really wasn't doing much with horses until one day after I had gone private consulting. Yes, sir. A veterinarian came to me and he said, can you make one formula that will feed every horse on the planet? I said, what, what are you talking about? I said, have you been in a feed store lately? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, they've got 25, 30, 35 formulas, mm-hmm. some of these companies, uh, f- for the horse. Yeah. And, but I said, of course, at that time, I was still pretty egotistical. <clears throat> so I said, yes, I can. And so one day, I took all the stuff that I'd played with over the, that 30 years and I said, uh, what, all, what would be a formula that would feed a cell in anybody? Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what species they are. And I, so I laid out all these uh, nutrients that need to be there for cell growth and replication. That's mm-hmm. what it's all about, whether it's a bacteria in the soil or whether it's in a lagoon or whether it's in my body or whatever. And so I put that down on a piece of paper in the year 2000. And I said, okay, how, now? how do I get this to the cells of all these different animals at the right level? So I just made a basic, just a simple, basic ration that generic. If you want to look at it, if you knew the formula, you'd say, that's just a generic formula. But there's something special about it, and that has those micronutrients that make the cell work. And so I put it in, in pellets, and at that time I was moving slowly here. but Because the, the extrusion process that I use today, was, I said, that's too expensive, so I'll just put it in a pellet. So I went to a, a uh, alfalfa plant in western Nebraska. And I said, you make pellets here, don't you? Yeah. You have a lot of alfalfa. Yeah. I said, would you be able to make this sup, this uh, formula for me? It's got some grain and rice bran and stuff in it. And uh, he said, yeah, I think so. So <laughs> I would have all this stuff delivered to his place. And he had the alfalfa. And he'd. Make a pile of it out on a concrete slab in front in front of his mill, and then he'd mix it with a front end loader. Well, mm-hmm. that was scientific. No kidding. <laughs> I don't know how I got by with that, <laughs> but he, he he did a halfway decent job because I didn't really have any problems with yeah, it. Yeah. So I he would make and put through the pellet mill, then uh, we would he would haul it to another feed plant down the road about forty miles, and they would put it in a bag. And wow. then I'd pick it up there and I'd put it in my trailer and I was consulting all the way from Montana to South Texas. So I had this little trailer behind me that's just a double axle I could haul. I should have hauled about one and a half pallets. I could get two and a half in there. Wow! <laughs> I broke that one pretty bad. And, it hit one or
0: two bridges and there's axles mm, gone on it. <laughs> yeah,
2: the floor got bowed. Yes, sir. And so... Um, but I was getting, selling it to a few people as, along my consulting path. And suddenly they started telling me stories about, about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they say, you know, uh, my horse has really changed. I said, tell me about it. Well, golly, they've changed color. Uh, they've got more muscle, better hair coat, several different things like that. And I said, wow, well, this is fun. So I was doing that for several years. Just in a pellet, plain white bag, in a pellet form, and then one day a, a salesman for an extrusion plant said, "You know, you really need to try this extrusion. It really changes your efficiency." Da, da da da. And I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Too expensive. But then I decided, you know, I'm a gambler. I've gambled all my life, so I took a chance. I said, uh, uh, "Okay, I'll, I'll I'll try a batch." So they made up a bunch of it for me. And I just put it in my trailer and I went around and I told my current customers, I'd see them, I'd say, um, I've got something better. They said, no, no, no. Well, we, we love this. We don't change this. I said, well, I'd like you to try this for me, please. Okay. I said, it's going to cost you more money. Oh, Get out of here. <laughs> and, but, but I had some loyal people. Trusted me, and I they started, they switched from that pelleted form in the and took the same formula, exactly the same formula, mm-hmm. in an extruded form, and uh, started feeding it. In about two weeks, maybe three weeks, I started getting calls. They say, uh, What'd you do with that formula? I said, Nothing. Why? Well, my horse has changed. Well, tell me about it. They said, Well, changed color for one thing, it's more calm. And uh, it's got, it's looking like it's getting a little more muscling. And I said, okay.
0: And I that changed. was people that was already on the formula. They,
2: they've been using my, old, yeah. my, my formula. Mm-hmm. And I said, I changed the delivery system. I said, that's it. <clears throat> and the rest is history. Because uh, the efficiency of digestion in the small intestine of horse went from probably around, 60 percent, 70 percent in a pelleted form, which it still is in any pelleted form. Mm-hmm. You can't change that mm-hmm. to over 90 percent. Wow. So I was just more of the nutrients in the program were getting into the body rather than
1: fertilizer. Just because it was being mixed properly rather than. <laughs>
0: well, that well it, no. So, be, so like the extruded pellet. So you've seen regular feed. It's right. just a. Like a little long pellet. So yeah. Harry's pellet is more like a dog food. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Consistency. It, okay. it
2: looked like uh, popcorn, and when the, the and the process is different. You know, when you grind, you grind feed real fine and then put it through that pellet die. You don't change anything in the in the physical structure. Yes, sir. Of the of the ingredients. Yeah.
0: You was talking about the consistency of feed. So we took a little break for a second. and You went and got some of the feed to show Nace because he hadn't never seen the feed before, but um, and you wanted to do a science experiment? It looks like because you either got some moonshine
3: or,
2: <laughs> you, know, you know, that could be mistaken in this part of the country. <laughs> I know, I know where you can find it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they keep it. They go right out in the open with it here.
1: Yeah, <laughs> not that interesting? Sell it anyway.
2: everywhere. But I was talking about uh, the how how this differs from a pellet, uh-huh. I mean, right? Um. A pellet, like I said, is um, just, they grind it real fine, push it through a pellet die, and all they do is compress it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it makes a nice shiny pellet that uh, the consumer likes.
1: Right. It's got
0: a hard outside.
2: Right. And it doesn't fall apart, mm-hmm. so the consumer says, well, that's good. Yeah. And the horse, he'll eat it. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. they eat mm-hmm. it really well. It doesn't dissolve very well. Right. Mm-hmm. In fact, some of the uh, ingredients get through the small intestine of a horse. You know, because this this is a a very important part of all this is that we have about 80 feet of small intestine in a standard size horse. Mm -hmm. That 80 feet is unused by poor quality fiber, like poor quality hay, or very little of that ever gets digested to any extent in that small intestine. Mm -hmm. That's why nature played the real trick on the horse. They turn it out on the range and it has to live on poor quality roughage half the year. It can't, produ- it can't even touch it until it gets into the hindgut. So they have to get it all the way through that big old tube and do it. Well, I decided I want to use more of that small intestine because it's far more efficient at absorption and everything that it is in the hindgut, the colon, mm-hmm. the cecum. So uh, I wanted something that would dissolve real quick for f- several reasons. Not Not just that, but several reasons, and so that's why I came up with with this uh, now, if you were to throw a bunch of pellets in this, they would drop to the bottom and lay there for twenty minutes, thirty minutes forty five minutes whatever a long time right <clears throat> and the reason that it's important for it to be dissolved rapidly is that all of the minerals must be absorbed within the first eight feet of the small intestine. Okay. If they're not absorbed there, they become fertilizer.
3: Hmm.
2: And that's expensive fertilizer. Right. So what I wanted to do is have two things. First of all, have it so that it would be they would be dissolved and available. Yes sir. In a pellet, they may not be available in time. Right. So they're already back in the further part of the intestine before they get let go, so they get on through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to had to figure a way, and that's the extrusion process. Now, I want you to time this, if you would. Okay. Everybody, grab their phone. <laughs> Everybody break I their do phone this with a bunch of college students, and every phone in the room comes out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's <a> calculator. <laughs> Where's it? Oh, okay. I'm gonna. Oh, stopwatch. Okay.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna have uh, <clears throat> I'm gonna put some of this drop this some of this in here. And, and start it. I'll, to go ahead and start. Okay. And and I want while we're talking here, I want you to tell me how soon these start to swell, and how long it takes them to almost fill half of that jar. Okay. Because because that's you can see the bubbles. Yeah, they're right. absorbing all the water. Yeah, yeah, that's the air pockets out of that grain coming out and replaced replaced by water right. and it's starting to uh, get soft do time lapse like pull your phone yeah. out and time lapse that <laughs> they're just already they're already growing
1: yeah I know I was going to say you can see it moving slowly yeah. just try so, to hold it as still as you can so
2: this is is the very critical first part of all my technology is the fact that that we can make all of our nutrients available to the small intestine to give us a maximum time for absorption of critical ones right um uh, now the protein and stuff, we have a lot of time for that mm-hmm. to get that di- digested on through there. But it's the minerals that I'm most concerned about. So that's that's number one is right. in in the thing that I I hold dear to my formula. They're about double now, right?
1: Yeah, that's about halfway full. Uh, they they are double. Yeah, at the- and at oh, the very shit. bottom, they're basically all
2: broke apart. <laughs> so put in first. yeah, but uh, so. Uh, And here's the other thing that's so critical about getting these dissolved in time is the trace minerals. I am a fanatic about trace minerals. uh, That's developed over time. And uh, I keep learning more about it all the time. But trace minerals are the key to every reaction in the body. Now, if this was in the gut, it would already be powder. I mean, not powder. but
1: Yeah, plus it's it's chewed up.
2: Yeah. And so how long have we got now? We're at two minutes on the dot. <laughs> yeah. that, that's what I strive for. And, uh, but trace minerals are so critical. If there's no reaction in your body or my body or those calves out there, their body, that it, it doesn't require one or more trace minerals. Mm-hmm. Right. They're, they're that critical. And over time, I've always, uh, you know, in the old days, I used what was available. We had the uh, the physical the chemical forms of, of minerals were like a, a zinc attached to an oxygen. The old old one, zinc oxide, been around forever. Zinc sulfate. Then they got they started taking a a sulfur and an oxygen, put them together, and then attach them to a, a metal like that. And that was a little better. It was a little more absorbable. That that zinc oxide is about 15% bio, bioavailable or absorbable. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not much. If you need 100 units, how much do you have to put in? You have to put in about 600 units. Mm-hmm. That's impractical. But that's what we had to work with. Mm-hmm. Then the sulfates were better. They were probably about a 50 60% bioavailable. But then they got fancy in the 70s. They came along with what we call the amino acid complexes, I used those in the feed yard because that's what we had available, and they were much better. We got up around that 80-plus percent, mm-hmm. uh, but the problem with them and the proteinates was the same thing, is where they they attach a mineral to an amino acid yes sir. or to uh, a protein molecule mm-hmm. uh, chemically, and they bond because uh, all trace minerals have positive charges, and they can attach to anything that has a negative charge because... Uh, a, a mineral cannot live by itself. Do you know that? It cannot survive by itself. It has to be attached to something. Okay. And so, so they're going to find something to bond to. Right, right. And that's so. That's what we use. We put them in there, and this is fine. We were getting along better, but along came a product called chelates. And if you know any Greek at all, do you speak Greek? No, yes, sir. Sir. Okay, I don't either, <laughs> but I know a Greek word, chelate, <laughs> C-H-E-L-A-T-E, chelate, and what it means, it means a claw, and the claw came from the fact that the, uh, the two part positive charges of that trace mineral will grab two charges of something else, whatever it is. And that they lock together, bond to it, and so we use uh, an amino acid, the smallest, tiniest two-carbon amino acid there is, Mm -hmm. and it zings through that intestinal wall with ease, effortlessly, Mm -hmm. because it's the size of it is small enough to go through the wall, Mm -hmm. whereas the uh, amino acid proteinate or the uh, complex, the molecules are too big to go through the intestinal wall.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. And then if we go back into the stomach, those chemicals, those uh, minerals actually change form. They come into the stomach and in uh, a very neutral environment, um, pH wise. They're kind of almost neutral from the saliva and everything, and they don't react with anything. Mm-hmm. So they come in with their carrier and they get into the top half of the stomach, and everything's fine. And, but when they get into the lower part of the stomach, you know, when you get acid indigestion, that's hydrochloric acid.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: They get into that hydrochloric acid, they disassociate with themselves. So all of a sudden they become charged again hmm. and they have to, then they have to look for something to, to get through the intestinal wall with. They won't, it won't be allowed as a charged particle. So they find what we call a carrier protein or a transport protein which is simply a protein molecule that will hook onto this mineral and it will t- carry it through the wall, but only, only in that first eight feet. That's why we have to have it absol- th- dissolved so that it's available or it won't get there.
1: Yeah, as quick as you can.
2: Now, go back to that little chelate I was talking about. That won't react. That is bound so tight, it won't react in the... Acid, It won't react in the first part of the small intestine. It goes on into the second part of the small intestine, and that's 40 feet long, the jejunum. And it can be absorbed there anywhere. So we basically, I don't think we ever get 100% absorption, but we get way over 90% absorption of the trace
0: metals. Because you don't have Uh, to have it absorbed in the first eight feet. You can can go further...
1: Further back than taking advantage of every foot. Yeah. That's right.
2: That's right. <laughs> and and see, those are kind of dissolved, aren't they?
1: Yes, sir. Yeah.
2: Okay. So every bit of that's available by the time that gets to that yeah. first part. Yes, e- sir. Even though it doesn't have to be absorbed there, they're ready. Yeah. yeah. So the other minerals I have in here, the calcium, because uh, I uh, only chelates, the only, the only chelates that are available are magnesium, manganese, zinc, selenium, and copper there are some more minerals in there that w- could be affected by being chelated but they don't, we don't have them chelated so they have to be available for right. that period of time first right. 8 foot yeah. yeah so so that is the probably i'd guess might be the most important part of my program is yeah. mm-hmm. is is that part of it and that you know that technology is available to everybody yeah so
1: with your with all the knowledge that you have with animal would it be animal science, anatomy? I don't know. With with total people plus, is that is that supplement pretty similar for the human body?
2: Well, let's say put it this way: that micro package that I designed for the horse works really well, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. It's the same package for people. It's identical to yeah. the uh, horse product. I just took the alfalfa. You don't need to say alfalfa. minus alfalfa. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you could but yeah. but uh but it it is exactly the same micro package yeah. every every formula i make has one common package no difference if it works for one it works for all right mm-hmm. and so and 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 i think every company has that if you look at it closely that i'm not doing anything different on that aspect than any other feed company mm-hmm. Uh, and then, then the third part of my technology, there are three legs to it. The third part is is uh, the presence of ascophylum nodosum. You know what that is?
1: Yeah, I don't know what you just said. Seaweed. <laughs>
2: ascophyllum nodosum. Ascophyllum nodosum.
0: Nodosum. No, Sounds <laughs> <got> like Spanish. <laughs> nodosum.
1: <laughs> it,
2: that's simply the scientific name for a species of of Seaweed. Kelp or yeah. seaweed, yeah. Yes, sir. And on the tag, uh, it's listed as dried kelp meal because they won't let you use anything but that yeah. generic name. Mm-hmm. So, but it, it's really Ascophyllum which is kind of a special species. <clears throat> I've used that for thirty years, but that causes a vasodilation in the body, mm-hmm. which is what your your blood vessels expand. Okay. And you pump more blood everywhere in the body, like these uh, calves out here. If you have that ascorbyl mandosum in their diet, uh, they will be, they'll stay out there and graze way longer on a hot day than normal. Oh wow! Horses will work hard or train hard uh, way longer on these hot days. I've had trainers tell me <laughs> that. they say, man, as I start using that totally clean, that. Horses work way longer than I can on a hot day. I have to quit before they do. Yeah. I said, Wow, I like that's good. <clears throat> well, here's something that would help you.
1: Yeah, total people <laughs> plus. Yeah. You guys are out there all day now. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: but uh yeah, so th- that just gives you the similarity and how simple my programs are. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't I don't have to make a lot of big decisions if I want to make some for a different species. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's the craziest thing, is the simplest it's the simplest changes or the simplest things that you add to your your program yeah. that make the biggest. It's exactly what Stoney said. I mean, yeah. it's it, in every essence or essence of anything, it's, you know, the smallest little changes yeah. make, make the, the biggest, digi- difference. Yeah, biggest difference. Big,
2: they have big effects. And then uh, the, uh, the nodosum or the seaweed has some very special, unique uh, things it does in the digestive tract as well as the body in the digestive tract, it controls E. coli and some of those gas-forming bacteria. And so, it literally, uh, if you have that, again, in those calves out here, eating grass, uh, you you will not have bloat. Because those gas-formers are the ones that cause the colic founder. They, they create... Uh, what they do is when they create gas, they have dropped the pH because they're making different kinds of nutrients. Uh-huh. And when they drop the pH, uh, you one of the things, byproducts you get out of that is uh, uh, an acid that, that will create uh, a vasoconstriction uh-huh. or constricting of the blood vessels. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. And that's founder. Uh-huh. That's how you founder a horse. You constrict the blood vessels by getting uh, that the acid level in the blood just a little bit too high. Mm-hmm. And it cuts off blood flow or restricts blood flow to the hoof. So You slow down the growth rate of the hoof, and now we have laminitis in some form.
3: Yeah.
0: So my, my dad had a horse. He's a horseshoer. So he got a horse from a client that was pretty well foundered. And so we brought him to our house and put him on total equine. And uh, his neck went down. His feet got better since he's been on it. I mean, and that's a horse that was already foundered. So, it, I mean, it, he's not completely over it because he was already past that point. But it it's pulled him back where he's usable again. His hoof growth is exceptional now. You can nail a shoe to it and it don't fall off yeah. and it just completely changed that horse from where he was completely foundered and pretty well useless to now he's actually yeah. usable again
2: uh, that's that's great great story but and and it goes right along with uh some of the early stories i heard i i had one gentleman in new mexico that this is back in the old days when we were still we weren't even extruding it yet then and uh he had, he brought the story to me. He had this stud horse that got an injury just above the hoof uh-huh. and suddenly he had a club foot. And he, th- and of course you just say, well, well, that's too bad. That's way it's going to be. Well, this horse grew a brand new hoof, a normal hoof. Hmm. He came to me. and He was so excited, and since then I've had other stories like that from farriers. Yes, sir. That that they they encounter horses with club feet and they get them on encourage them to get on total equine, and and that club turns into a normal foot. A club foot is simply a hoof that isn't growing properly. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's it's not any genetic deformity or anything like that. And uh, so, I, but I've had a lot of. Injury recoveries that veterinarians said would never happen, and they wanted to put the horses down. One of the classic ones, just in the recent year or so, was Chrome, a horse that was used in the first Yellowstone movie, mm-hmm. and he injured his shoulder. Some I don't, I have no idea how he injured it, but he injured it pretty bad, and they took him back to the owner and said, you know, I'm sorry, this is what happened. And uh, her her niece, this lady's niece, convinced her to put it on total equine, and my equine 15, which is a little top dress to help uh, uh, stiffness and stuff. And Chrome is working today, and they were going to put him down. They insisted they put him down. Uh, So those are the kind of stories we get all the time.
0: That just shows you how much nutrition... Changes in everything, like how how it can rebuild muscle and rebuild the, give your body what it needs to rebuild
2: itself. Right, a lot of lot of different things that we've we've changed. Now in the dog world, in our total canine, which is again the same micro package as here, is um, recovering, not recovering, but get you know improving Mm -hmm. these skin conditions that dogs have. Yeah, that's a that's an epidemic out in, the, in the dog world. Everybody's talking about the skin problems they have with their dogs.
0: It's just all what they're yeah. feeding them nowadays. Nutrition.
2: You know
1: what's, what's crazy is we. So we have a Vishla, and he's, it, which is I don't know. They used to be back in the day. I mean, they still use him for hunting and stuff. But I mean, he's pretty well the biggest sissy ever. But he <laughs> uh, <clears throat> he's only three years old, and he's he had he developed a lump on his side. So we took him to the vet, they took it off, said it was non-cancerous. And then after we took that off, man, he grew, I think that he has, we just got him back from the vet last week and they said that he has 25 different tumors growing on his like neck and just like lumps everywhere. And they, they were like, well, you know, we, they went back in and said it is cancerous. And so we're trying different things now to try to, I don't know, take the swelling down or whatever. But you know, they're like, if you, it grows in the skin. I'm curious if, you know, I'd be willing to, to try the total canine to see if it, because all we've been doing is putting, putting them on Benadryl and they seem to be going down a little bit, but I I don't know. It just seems like, you know, my, my dad buys his high end dog food, which I don't know what it is, but for both of them. Um, but it's just interesting, you know, like any dog, you know, it seems like, especially with him, he's a, very active dog out running around crazy and stuff, but he he has a like lumps all over him. So oh, man. I
2: wonder if it's I, I, just from the history and stories I get. Yeah. Yes, I think that could be of some benefit because I have stories about um, cancer mm-hmm. going away that the, the, the veterinarians wanted to put them down because they had cancer in their oh, yeah. in their hip and stuff, and uh, they yeah. uh, they they got over it. They cool.
0: Speaking of that, like I got a gray mare, my good head horse, and, you know, all grays pretty much have yes. a little bit of cancer in them. Yes. And she had a spot on her neck um, that would swell up, and it was worse when I was on the other feed. And when I switched to total equine, that, that cancer, I've noticed as the swelling went down, it's you can't even notice that it's there anymore. And, I, I, I mean, it's... I mean, it's still there, you can tell, but I think, like you said, because of the blood flow and stuff, the cells can get there and, and attack that cancer and, and keep it from growing.
2: Yes. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of stories about sarcoids disappearing.
3: Yeah. Hmm.
2: <laughs> they used to cut them off and all kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now they just go away. Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially because... Um, now, one other aspect, of total equine that I think, is, I, I think is unique is it increases fiber digestibility tremendously. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I have a research project now that documents that at Saul Ross University. But for years, people were telling me about how their horses didn't eat near as much hay when they were on total equine, only four pounds a day. And they in- intake could go down, but and and bulls too, bucking bulls. Mm-hmm. I can I can drop the in- hay intake on bucking bulls by thirty uh, percent, just by going with my total bull, and it's simply a, an efficiency. And that goes back to the ascorphamide mm-hmm. Is is uh, scientifically documented. My old alma mater, in North Dakota, proved that that it it increases fiber digestibility by control. Not be careful. Not controlling. But uh, altering the way the bacterial activity in the rumen, I'm using big different words now because I have to be careful. I can't make a claim. I'm not claiming that it changes the bacterial population of the rumen, but the only way that could happen is it. Mm -hmm. So that's probably what it does. I'm theorizing. Yeah. But it does have an impact. Now, the other side of it is the if we control some of those bacteria and that's scientifically documented, back you know, the E. coli and stuff, then and there's less gas produced, less colic. If there's less lactic acid produced, less founder. So you can take a horse we rescue units do this all the time. Mm-hmm. They bring these really bad debilitated horses in. And Uh, they put them on free choice, totally equine, no hay. And they have all they want to eat. Mm -hmm. Never had one colic
3: Hmm.
2: in all these
0: years. Is that, is that because it can digest in the the first eight foot, like partially and it's not compacting and
2: right. But but I think just as important is that they, um, uh, when it gets into the hind gut, when the bacteria aren't making all that gas and lactic acid, so there's no danger of of founder or colic yeah 'cause and and that's why um and here again, I'm a heretic called a heretic um i I promote if you have bad hay, if you have expensive hay or whatever if you're traveling, you can't find what you want, don't feed any, just feed more of the feed. just feed to just double or increase. From four to eight, or maybe nine or ten pounds, to when you're traveling, mm-hmm. and I, now traveling people learn to do that. Yeah. Some some of them don't carry hay when they leave home.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: They feed hay at home or when they leave bags. home. They I, just yeah. bump it up and they say, "Boy, this is really convenient." Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, you know.
0: I I've noticed that. Like when I'm traveling to opens and stuff, that all won't take hay. And I'll just feed more the total equine. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, when you're at a at a new place at an arena, them horses will draw up and 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 lose their I don't know what you would their their body to them. And they're not really losing weight, but you know they're dehydrating. Yes. Yeah. And with the total equine, they don't do that. No. They stay full, no. and I can be at her open for three days, mm. and they stay full the whole time I'm there.
2: They. They have to drink mm-hmm. when they eat totally equal and it's so dry. Yeah. <laughs> and but if and here's a trick uh that a, a customer taught me, a young lady from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was headed to Montana in the middle of the summer. She called me from central South Dakota. She said, I got something you gotta hear about. I said, What's that? She said, I got here and I stopped and I was gonna water my horse and they wouldn't touch it. She said, I took a big old handful of toleco and threw it in their water bucket, right in the water. She said they sucked it right to the bottom, and they will. If you have a problem with horses drinking water, where some of the strange water, mm-hmm. just throw a big handful in the water. Hmm. We've uh, yeah. we've helped horses. We've we saved rope and steers mm-hmm. yeah. and in at rodeos that got in a place where they wouldn't touch the water. Reno was one of the worst. Yeah, and they learned out there that. The contractor learned that when they come in there, they, they spread total equine out on the water wow. and never have a problem. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> There's so just a lot of little fun things you can do with it, you know. Right, yes, sir. That we've learned along long way, and all of it's by accident. Yeah. yeah. Like I tell people, I'm they say, where, where have you done all your research? I said, The world is my research yeah.
1: unit. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. And,
0: you know, that's better than companies that devote, a whole unit just to do research. Yeah. Because you're in-house in, research in and... r- we're real world <clears throat> experiences. Right. You know, it, that's one thing that like from the very beginning, I followed you from like when you very first started and I thought was cool was like, you didn't start with a bag that looked real pretty. <laughs> you literally had a white <laughs> bag <laughs> and you put all your, your money and resources yeah. into the product yeah. that was in the bag. Right. Not in the labeling and in the, the, the trying to promote it. Sure. Just, I mean, you just started with what worked and yeah. made made sure that the product worked before you was put it out into mm-hmm. the world. Yeah.
2: To and then now, after all these years, I'm doing research. Mm-hmm. I, I did two trials at Sol Ross University. I tell people, I say, no, this is different. This is independent. I handed them an idea and I gave them some feed. Mm-hmm. And then I said, you tell me what you're going to learn. I I'm not going to touch it right. until you tell me the results. And sure enough, they documented that uh, they, horses eat, they documented 11% less hay on coastal yeah. Bermuda hay.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then that was one study. The other study, I said, no, I got another question. I said, I, I know what happens there. I want to know what's happening in the horse. People mm-hmm. tell me their horses get more muscly. Tell me why. So they were able to do the bioimpedance thing where they put an electrode on each end of the horse oh, and yeah. they could measure the body fat and body muscle. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, I, I, uh, the control product was <clears throat> a very popular pelleted product by one of the major companies. I, I said, I want a good product as a control. I don't want some junk product. I want a good product. So they selected one. And uh, in the trial, bottom line is, during the eight weeks, the ones on the control product didn't gain or lose any weight. The horses on Total Equine, they fed the same rate. Exactly the same rate. They dropped over 6% body fat, 70 pounds on 11-pound horse, eleven pounds horse and they gained 6% muscle mass. They didn't gain or lose any weight either. They just changed conformation. And that's what I wanted to learn. I knew that was happening, I just had to have the documentation. So that gave me even the bolder thing to, to talk about. Yeah. So we finally did some very good research. <clears throat> and uh, now we just completed another research project Because I wanted to know kind of what was happening on these rescue horses that they Mm -hmm. come in and and revitalize them compared to another program. And so they just finished that and found uh, they have proven uh, this is really grassroots research. Nobody's ever done this before. But they documented blood parameters and everything weekly through the whole process of regaining that weight. And... uh, that has already created quite a stir in the, in the horse equi- or the equine uh, um, scientific community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so that's where we're headed now. We're going to start we're going to start showing some new things and why it's happening and how it's happening. Now that we've got enough time behind us and got a little little bit of money, so I can do a little bit of research. Right. So we're we're standing at a very I think the front door of some real exciting changes in the equine industry. Yeah. Uh, just because of these things we've just talked about.
3: Yeah, yes, sir. I, yeah, I,
0: I for sure learned a lot of things already in, in the time that we've talked in an hour. And I've already was on your product um, with my horses. And I mean, I knew it was a good product when I saw the changes myself, but I didn't know the scientific and, and why it worked so well. Yeah.
2: yeah. And that I tell people total equine doesn't sell doesn't uh, fly off the shelf. If people don't understand the technology, right? They don't walk by in a store and say, "Oh, that's a pretty bag," or "That's you know, that looks interesting." Da You have to sell. Mm-hmm. You have to sell the technology, yeah. and yes. once people understand it, like you say, it it's uh, then it starts becoming intriguing, and uh, it's it's the same thing with all the species. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally equines, ninety percent of my business, but we're still trying to get some of the others, but. Yeah. We don't have the uh, uh, close-up audience that we can do that with. Uh, but then another thing that that I, I found that's quite exciting, it's the closest thing that I've ever found to Magic Ingredient, and that is a sulfur uh, product that I uh, use or that I helped develop, actually, out of Canada. About... Thirteen years ago, some guys called me from Canada and said, you know, we've got something here we don't understand what what it is or what we can do with it. Could you come up and kind of listen to our story and help us decide where to head with this? So I went up there, and sure enough, this guy had showed me some dirt. And he said, this dirt comes off my ranch. And he said, I had watched for years, and every time we hunted deer— Harvested deer, there was never anything wrong with them. Nothing. No no scars, no, nothing wrong. They were always healthy inside and out, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't natural. So they started following these deer around this ranch, and they would always go to one spot on the ranch, and they'd lick the dirt, and they'd leave. they're so often they'd go back, and they'd lick on that dirt. A bunch so. of mineral. He takes this dirt home and puts some in his pig rations, and he said, his health and his pigs went right through the roof. He said it was just wonderful. Hmm. And so he said, well, that works for pigs. He said he put some in his calf weaning ration. Same thing. He said he said the treatments went way down to almost nothing on his wow. on his uh, weaning calves. So that's what they were. The stories they were telling me, and then they were telling me about some research being done with uh, cancer and everything else on it. Right. So. I came home then and they let me bring some with me or they shipped me some. They could get it through customs. It wasn't clear to her at all. So I, I took some and I, the first one was an EPM horse, a mare that uh, she had EPM so bad that she had a foal on her and she, they wanted to put her down cause she couldn't walk straight. So I said, well, wait a minute now she was on total equine, mm-hmm. but we put her on some of this sulfur and, sure enough, she straightened right out. And she weaned that foal and was pregnant again and had another foal after that.
0: Uh, so for some of the people that don't know what EPM is, it's oh. it's from mm-hmm. um, raccoons. Is it raccoon? Possum. 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 Yeah. Possum, possum, possum. possum
2: disease is the common one.
0: And what it does is it messes up the signal from the brain to the, the muscle, nerves. right? They're the nerves and yeah. the
2: it starts to erode the the covering over the the nerve trunks. Yes, sir. And w- once it interferes with that spot in the nervous system, then mm-hmm. some one part of the body, somewhere in the body, is going to be affected. Right. It can't get a signal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a myopathy. It's ca- the EPM stands for Equine Protozoal Myelencephalopathy. encephalopathy. Mm-hmm. and uh, so it's just a de- deterioration. Yeah. Usually, it's a it's a death warrant.
3: Mm-hmm. For
0: for years, that's what it's been, hasn't it? Yeah,
2: and um, but a lot of horses carry it, never bothered them, mm-hmm. and just certain horses. And then the other one <laughs> that I ran into just after that—this goes back ten, eleven years—was uh, a dealer of mine over in East Texas that was a veterinarian. I was there one day, and he said uh, he had this gray mare there, and he said I got to take an eye out of her. I said why? Well, she's got cancer around the eye. I said, wait a minute, just, just hold on. She was on total equine. And I said, just try this. Gave him some of it. And so he put it on there, and sure enough, it cleared up that cancer in that horse. Wow. Wow. And I've got a whole list of things that, that it has done for horses, and a lot of it has to do with those cancerous type things. Yeah. Now, the 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 thing that that it, the two things that they know for sure, it's antiviral. Mm-hmm. It'll stop growth rate of every virus they've ever put it up against. It's anti-inflammatory. Farriers fall in love with it because of all of those stiff horses they encounter.
0: <laughs> is that is that in the, your Equine Fifteen?
2: That's Equine Fifteen. Okay, that that's what it is. Yeah, it, yeah, you know, it's a five five gram a day. Yeah, have, mm-hmm. a teaspoon you dump on there. Right, and uh, very simple, very low cost. Replaces all these joint products that are out there. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I've had people tell me it's it's better than any of the joint products out there for that that stiffness and joint problems horses get, especially the hard working ones. Yeah, yes, sir. So that's uh, that's that's another thing that we offer. But one of the, I think, the impact of my whole program that's most exciting, is the fertility. Fertility aspects of this go beyond whatever I had dreamed possible. I've brought many stud horses back from total sterility to full fertility at advanced ages.
0: Yeah. So before we started, you said that Metallic Cat is on uh, Total Feeds, and you said you didn't even know that he was on it till <laughs> just a couple days ago. So yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. The leading sire in the and yeah. uh, you know right now in this day and uh he's on total feed so that's saying something
2: he's following right in his daddy's footsteps (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah that's good but actually actually his daddy uh dual ray was uh, here in weatherford Mm -hmm. and uh, he went uh, he went sterile at 24 wow just totally sterile so they took him home to uh colorado and Linda Holmes, uh, she was feeding Total Equine up there. Mm-hmm. So, me, of course, he went on Total Equine. And within about uh, four to six, seven weeks, something like that, I she told me a time frame. I don't remember exactly. He started acting studly because when they took him up there, he was just moping around, you know, mm-hmm. didn't care. And so she started Checking him, and sure enough, he was coming back full bore when he fell on the concrete and, mm. and had to be put down. Uh, so he was coming back, but uh, the the most the earliest documentation is a uh, true Rolex mm-hmm. uh, up in Craig, Colorado. Uh, Joni Voloshin up there owns him, and uh, at 19 years of age, they came to me and they said Rolex really losing it. Seaman's bad; he's losing muscle mass. He's only 19 years old, so we put him on Total Equine. Within 100 days, he was back full full production, and his muscles were back. Wow. He just had his 27th birthday, and Joni has stood in front of a camera more than once and said, Rolex's semen is better quality today than it was when he was four and five years old. And I've got pictures and stories of, Twenty-four, twenty-five-year-old studs with no teeth that are living on total equine, mm-hmm. and they're still collecting. Yeah. And I've got one up in Wisconsin. He's twenty-nine years old, no teeth, lives on total equine. Feed him ten, twelve pounds a day, and uh, he's still pasture breeding some mares. Wow, Limited basis, incredible. but he's still pasture breeding.
1: <laughs> yeah. Jeez.
2: <laughs> and on the female side, this is crazy. Because uh the first time I ever heard of one I thought it was just a total fluke, a lady from California called me and said, I just bought the, I bought this mare and she's twenty years old, and she hadn't cycled since she was ten years old. She just quit cycling for something happened. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know why. But she liked the mare, so she bought her, mm-hmm. took her home, threw her out in the pasture. Didn't think about it. there was a stud out there. Twelve months later she had a foal had like over 10 years. And the same thing up in Colorado, Linda Holmes, uh, who had dual race, I went up to talk to her, and she took me out and showed me her minis. I've got a picture of two mini mares, little black and white mares. One's 25 and one's over 20. She didn't know how much, but over 20. They'd been running with a stud for six years, never had a baby. She started feeding total equine. And here were two cute little 25 or 30-pound mini foals, mm-hmm. both within 12 months of when she started feeding total wow. equine. I've got a picture of two uh, uh, bucking horse mares over in East Texas, kind of tough-looking old mares, 124, 126. They quit cycling. They hadn't cycled for at least two years, put them on total equine, and they both had babies mm-hmm. in 12 months. And same thing happened to cows. And, and cows and with the total bull I have stories about uh, increasing ovulation and egg production by fifty to a hundred percent. Wow! If you're collecting good quality cattle, you know that's pretty important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. And then there's a uh, bull stud out in, in uh, actually in New Jersey, that uh, they called me about three years ago and said uh, that two bulls are like ten, eleven years old that were really going south on them. Mm-hmm. And they ship semen all over the world, and they were pretty adamant about getting them back in shape. So I got some Total Bull to them, and within about, it takes about three to four, three months, a little over three months, to take that whole cycle of s- semen production, and they were right back full production. They've been wow. on it ever since. Wow.
0: That's uh, awesome. Yeah,
1: With, with all the, the success stories, how does it make you, well, obviously, you're probably pretty proud of your product, but just, you know, it seems like every week probably, you probably get a call that's like, Hey, since I started using this, you know? So I I think, you know, we, we've talked a lot about just in specific scenarios, you know, uh, the equipment that you use or the product that you use really helps in the long run with whatever you're doing. So, you know, whether you're rodeoing full-time or whatever it is, like, if your horse is feeling better, it's like, you know, like even putting a saddle on your horse, you know, if your saddle is irritating your horse, he's not going to perform as good. If he's not on a good feed, he's not going to be performing as good. So, you know, at a price point, total feeds might be more expensive uh, for the consumer, but you're going to have better performance. You're going to feel better. You're going to feel more confident. And I think it, that's that's a really important thing. It's like, you know, Cody, it's not just like a plug, like, oh, I've been feeding total equine and it's, but I mean, you can you can tell, you know, when he's out there roping that, it, you know he's performing better, yeah. With his horse and it's it's incredible.
0: But so. in, in in that aspect is, yeah his his feed is more expensive per bag. But when I was feeding the cheap feed, I was spending more money to get my horse to have the nutrition it needed, right? Because I was having to feed more, yeah. And they wasn't getting it, like you said, in the first eight foot of their gut. They wasn't getting the nutrition they need. Mm -hmm. So, And I was was top dressing with four or five other supplements on top of it.
2: There's the key right there.
0: So (laughs) when I did my math on your feed cost versus the other feed, I was already cheaper without adding the supplements (laughs) in there. So with your feed, I'm not putting any supplements on it. So I was already saving like I think it was – a dollar seventy five a day feeding your feed versus the other. But that was without putting the supplements in there too. So really I was probably saving two bucks yeah. per horse per day.
2: I've had I've found people that are spending six, eight dollars a day on oh my gosh. dresses. Wow. On 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 feed. They're they're buying the feed and then they're spending that much on top of it. And they think, mm-hmm. Boy, I'm doing really good with my horse. I'm being really good to my horse. And that's part of this top mm. grass thing.
0: Sometimes less is more.
2: Yeah. But I think some people just, it makes them feel good mm-hmm. if they're doing those extra things for their yeah. horse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I won't mention any particular group of people, but there's one group of people that really have to play with their rations. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. It might be barrel racers. No, oh. I didn't say that. <laughs> no, but but I think Beep. I knew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Leap that out.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, they, they wouldn't have, have to, to with it. they could and buy yeah.
0: more coffee if they would feed Total Equine.
2: Right. <laughs> more Starbucks. Hey, Barrel
0: Racers, listen here. You can buy more Starbucks <laughs> if you buy Total Feeds. Now,
2: now, I have to tell you a little story about years ago. I mean, this goes way back when I was living in Kansas and, and peddling the, that, that old feed. I had uh, the secretary at, at the local uh, Walco had um, was a barrel racer and Diane was a skinny hyper barrel racer right you know the old kind <laughs> and and uh, I, I worked on her worked on her to get get her to put her horse on Total Equine finally did and uh, she was going along and she was doing pretty well but I kept trying to get her on Total People try to settle her down I mean, <laughs> I didn't tell her that. There's some things you don't say. Diana, if you're listening now. <laughs> anyway, one day I walked in and I took a bottle of toilet people and I sat on her desk. I said, Diane, I want you to just take that, okay? I walked out. Wasn't in there for a couple of weeks, but next time I went in, Diane said, Hey, I got to tell you, last week we ran the best time in we've ever run. I said really. Ah, you were taking old people. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> the horse was, of course, you know, you know, horses. They, if if you're nervous, they're nervous. They're nervous. Yeah. And so we settled the horse down. Settle her down a little yeah. bit. <laughs> but she was still a nervous ninny. Yeah. yeah. So I think we could improve time on a lot of these barrel races if we could get them, on get them all on Total people
1: Total <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. That's bleep, funny. Bleep, bleep, bleep. Yeah. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> so every podcast, we ask our, our guest what the first song is that comes to their mind. And then we end with the song.
0: What's your favorite song?
1: Do you know a feller by the name George Strait? Heard of him. Yeah. Might know any of his songs by chance?
2: Uh, Amarillo by Morning.
1: Let's do it. One that comes to mind. All right, you got to sing with us. Oh, no. You got to. If you need to push the mic any closer to your mouth, feel free. Just get in there and sing. (laughs) Here, we'll get to the chorus. I'm a by morning up from San Antonio Everything that I got is just what I got on When that sun is high in that Texas sky, I'll be bucking at the county fair.
2: Amarillo a real by morning. Morello, I'll be there
1: well, We appreciate y'all checking in, sticking around
0: And listening to another episode of the Everything Rodeo Podcast We'd like to thank, thank Dr. Harry Anderson for letting us uh, come to his front yard and record this podcast
2: Thank you for coming Appreciate it the
1: way. I'll be looking for eight when they pull that in And I hope that judge ain't blind.